You're listening to the Beauty Brain Show, where real scientists answer your beauty questions. And now, here's Randy and Perry. Greetings, everyone. Randy Schuler and Perry Romanowski here. Hey, hey, Perry. I, I, yeah? I got a question for you. Sure, sure. So you just heard a, a new voice introduce us, right? That was a, I did. That was a, a, a listener named Colleen. So a lo- lovely, lovely voice. Lovely right? voice, Colleen. Thank you. Yeah. Guess where Colleen is from? Uh, based on the accent, I think Colleen's probably from New Zealand. Whoa. I, I, you're geographically, you're close. I think culturally, you, you may have a problem because she's from Australia, and don't oh. the, aren't the Aussies and the New Zealanders sort of kind of like natural yeah. enemies? I'm not sure. I, a, I'm not sure. There's a little friction there. I think there, there's I some animosity. So anyway, thank you, Colleen. We do we do appreciate that. You know, and we hey, we need more people to introduce the show because again, nobody wants to just listen to you and me talk for 30 minutes. <laughs> exactly. So uh, if you'd like to introduce the show, just uh, record yourself on your smartphone, just like Colleen did, and email it to us at thebeautybrains at gmail.com. All right. You, you know, we really should update that uh, email to like be more professional. I thought about that too, but nothing else is professional, so why uh, would you bother? <laughs> That's a good point. Speaking of not professional, you didn't mention this is episode 153. Indeed it is, and uh, to, on program 153, <laughs> woof. Uh, we're going to tell you if you can save money by buying generic Listerine mouthwash, whether it's safe to use those new chrome nail polishes, and if your vitamin C lotion is giving you cancer. But, but before we get to all that, how's your broken rib? <laughs> well, you know, it, it still hurts a bit. I'm a little worried because this weekend I'm supposed to go golfing so I don't know how I'm going to manage 18 holes and then I got the marathon coming but still hurts like hell but uh, I can at least sleep at night. And you do that thing where you goggle where you golf and juggle at the same time is that right? Uh, Well I only juggle while waiting to tee off but (laughs) yes. Lucky guess. Uh, Well I hope I hope you feel better. I do at least the uh the skin knee is uh, scabbed over nicely. Oh, so. God. That's too much information. <laughs> All right, Perry, are you ready for some beauty science news? I am. Uh, Cue that music. Let's do it. I guess I have the first story. Hey, Randy, here's an idea that might revolutionize the way people do online dating. <laughs> okay. Okay, which is totally about beauty science. All right, go ahead. It, it, it is. You'll get to uh-huh. it. Uh, so instead of picking people based on their looks and dating profiles, mm-hmm. there's a project called Smell Dating, which <laughs> Come on. It matches people based on whether they like their natural body odor. So when you sign up for this service, you are sent a T-shirt to wear for three days. Now, you're not allowed to wear perfume or deodorant over those three days. Then you send your shirt, your soiled shirt, you send it off, and you receive samples of other people's soiled shirts, right? And then you sniff them, and you choose which scent you like the best. And then if somebody likes the same scent, likes your scent and you like their scent, 
then you're a match. They trade your emails, and then you go out on dates. And this is fetish.com? Is that how I get to this? <laughs> it's a smell dating. <laughs> smell dot, smelling dot dating or something like that. Now, interestingly, no information about age, gender, or sexual orientation <laughs> is, is provided before you smell the shirt. So. Wait, 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 wait. You said, wait, wait. even gender? Right. Well, don't gender. you... <laughs> I mean, come on. What? Don't you need to sort of specify which team you're playing for before you, like, really? No, no, none of that. So, so the <laughs> none idea, of that. Well, the what? idea is that if, if you like someone's scent, then you theoretically will be more biologically compatible with that. That's them. all that it's matters. A, it has to do with, you know, people with compatible immune systems and, and such. the most so. ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. Now, you're wonder, you might be wondering, does it work? Uh, well, this was a story written up in The Guardian, and so that the reporter in The Guardian, she tried it out, mm -hmm. and she got four matches, two men and two women. Okay, right? but maybe that works for her. I don't know. I don't know no, this well, person. I mean, no, I, I assume she's uh, heterosexual, so she, so she got two women matches, so she probably just, okay, I'm not going to go okay. that. So she gets the two men. So she went on a date with one of her men that she matched right. the chemistry yeah. of. And, uh, well, it didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> now, that doesn't mean it won't work for someone, but, you know, I suspect that human smell and dating is a little more complicated than just using your nose to pick out your mate. <laughs> I, uh, I think the only thing I can top that story with is to talk about a new dental care breakthrough. Oh, I'd uh, love to hear this. So here we go. Scientists have learned to grow new teeth from a somewhat distasteful source. It's human urine. <laughs> <laughs> Growing teeth from urine. Wow. Yeah, it, it gives a whole new meaning to the term potty mouth. <laughs> <laughs> So this study was published in the uh, Cell Regeneration Journal, uh, and it shows that stem cells from urine could be grown, uh, used to grow these tiny tooth-like structures. Now, uh, the researchers, who happen to be from China, hope that someday their technique could be used to replace lost teeth. Now, not everyone agrees with this approach. One stem cell researcher noted that, quote, that goal faces many challenges. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, he, he said, you know, th there are other richer sources of stem cells than urine, so this seems to be an odd choice. Uh, regardless, though, just in case this catches on, I've already begun designing companion products to go with the urine teeth. Oh, do tell. Yeah, the first product I'll be launching is dental floss made from toilet paper. <laughs> wow, okay. And my uh, chosen spokesperson for this new product is the rapper... P. Diddy. <laughs> <laughs> Does he still go by T. P. Diddy? I don't know. It's just a joke. Well, that's good stuff. But it's the kind of joke that makes us feel like we're out of touch with the youngsters out there. <laughs> as long as we're not insensitive. <laughs> that's good. Good point. All right, Randy. Uh, you know, cosmetic marketers are always looking for exotic ingredients to put in All products. The time, right? All the time. 24-7. <laughs> Now, usually there's some story that goes along with it, and the materials can be really weird. Mm -hmm. For example, last show we talked about the, the centipede, centipede extract. Yeah, a couple weeks ago. That was hilarious. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Well, here's a story from Luxury Spot, which lists some of the weirdest ingredients that she found uh, in cosmetics. <laughs> so okay. I thought we'd go through them. Now, we've talked about some of these in the past, but uh, I thought we'd go through some of these and talk about the likeliness of whether they have any real effect. Okay. So there's snail slime, which oh. is a mixture of proteins, right? right. Many and times. 
supposed to repair skin, but you know, I I don't think it does. Right. Right? <laughs> no. All right, bee venom. It's up sure, there. yeah. Sure, sure. Uh, supposed to plump up your skin. Yeah, eh, not really. Uh, the new one is bacteria. You know, the folks at the the company Mother Dirt. They've come up with uh, bacteria to clean your skin. Yeah, you, it's supposed to be products. We talked like about this a couple of shows ago. Yeah. Then there's hemp, legalized marijuana. <laughs> everyone, everyone sure. wants to launch it. The hemp is really nothing more special than like soybean oil, right? If you look at the right. distribution. In terms of, yeah, chemically speaking, yep. Here are two of my favorites: uh, donkey milk. <laughs> <laughs> we did an improbable products uh, using donkey, donkey milk. milk. Yeah. But, but, you know, what we didn't do was camel milk. So, <laughs> <laughs> apparently, people love milk, right? But, <laughs> you know, I don't, they say in camel milk, it's got more lactic acid mm-hmm. than regular cow's milk. Right. So it was good for exfoliation and skin brightening. And I would just say, as a chemist, well, why don't you just use lactic right. acid? <laughs> because the percentage, regardless of the milk, the percentage of lactic acid, maybe, maybe buttermilk has a high enough right. percentage. But everything else <laughs> exactly. is going to be so low, it's, it's negligible. So... Right. Just use it lotion. Well, the bottom line is uh, whenever you see any of these ingredients, just don't be fooled by these exotic ingredients, right? These story ingredients almost never provide any additional functional benefits, but the marketers will always add them. And the main reason is that people want to buy products with ingredients that sound exotic. Argan oil is a great example. It was a big hit yeah, last year, yeah. but the reality is if you look at those products, Argan oil wasn't doing much of anything. It was the cyclomethicone and the dimethicone. In the the hair products, for sure, yeah. Exactly. So don't spend extra money for exotic ingredients. Just find products that work. As always, good advice, Perry. Thank you. Uh, This next story, I I bring this up because it's kind of a coincidence. So a few weeks ago, uh, I saw a product in my local Walgreens. Uh, All right. It it caught my eye. It's it's by the brand Babyganics. I guess that's a... Babyganics? Baby Organics, Baby Ganics, is that? They were they were recently in the news for being uh, sued or something well, for that li- name. Well, listen on. So right. the product I saw, it was a combination pack, and it had a sunscreen and an insect repellent. And, you know, it had the usual claims about being natural and organic. I took a look at the sunscreen, and I saw that it was using legitimate mineral sunscreen active. So, okay, fine. I, I could see how you could say that that's natural and maybe organic. All right. But then I looked at the insect repellent product, and saw that it, it had nothing in it other than some natural extracts, you know, things like citronella. Um, now, insect repellents are controlled by the EPA. You know, they, right. it's not, that's not a cosmetic. It's not really a drug. It's a different category of material. It's controlled by the FDA. And uh, EPA. EPA, thank you. And uh, there are no approved insect repellents other than things like DEET that really work. Exactly. So I, I kind of left the store scratching my head, like how this product could get away with saying it was an all-natural insect repellent when I don't think, I don't think legally it can do that. Well, it turns out they're not really getting away with it because <laughs> there's a class action suit against the brand for misleading claims, and at least part of this was indeed related to the use of organics in the name, because as you pointed out in previous episodes, uh, especially in California, yeah, uh, they're very particular about that. Um, so anyway, they're in, they're, they're in getting in at least warm water for, for making these <laughs> claims. Now, the most interesting part of that story was, though, that uh, this brand was recently purchased by S.C. Johnson, which I did not know. That's, that was the other reason that I saw this in the news, right? That's right. Yeah. Now, you know, 
they're a very reputable company and they, they play by the book. So I'm wondering if, you know, like they just bought this brand and they hadn't gotten around to making all the regulatory changes yet and then everything hits the fan. You could imagine it's like, oh, crap. Right, right. I remember when we when we bought the, the St. Ives company, wasn't there a thing where they said uh, uh, some of the ingredients were from Switzerland? Yeah, and it was a bit but, sketchy. But, they weren't. Right. <laughs> so, so you got to you got to do your due diligence before you buy exactly. these brands. Uh, so I don't know if you know. It's easy, it's easy to miss little details it, it like is, that. Yeah. Though, right? So hopefully things will all work out. But I, I don't think there are natural baby safe insect repellents available. <laughs> I so. Well, right. Exactly. Um, so, so buyer beware there. I, what really bugs me are, are people who do marketing stuff like that to baby products, right? Oh, yeah, that's particularly uh, egregious. But you know, there is something that bugs me a little bit more than that. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what that is? What's that? It's companies that sell contaminated cosmetic oh, products. <laughs> no. I mean, it's not hard to ensure that your products are safe and free from microbial contamination, right? You just need to use good manufacturing pr right. procedures yep. and a proper preserva preservation <laughs> and, system, And even right? then, you still may have trouble from time to time. You may, but you know this. You know that should be the top of your mind, not like what, what we say is not in our product, right. right? I mean, ever since ingredients like parabens and formaldehyde donors have gotten a lot of bad press, and the fear-mongering groups, you know, they start spreading misinformation about these ingredients. You know, cosmetic manufacturers have made it a marketing angle that they don't use these ingredients right. that have the bad name. It, it, it even bugs me. I see like J&J, uh, P&G, they right. start saying what ingredients they don't have. That really bugs me. But the, the microbial contamination thing bugs me enough. And you know, what, you know what happened when people started switching away from those working preservatives? Yeah, you get contamination. <laughs> exactly. And now you've got... Uh, a lot of products being recalled by the FDA because of bacterial contamination. So, as a public service, I just wanted to call out those brands that received <laughs> warning letters from the FDA for selling products that are contaminated with disease-causing microorganisms. All right, let's hear it. All right, uh, the most recent one is the Oracacia brand. Uh, they voluntarily recalled their milk and oat bath due to microbial contamination. Mm -hmm. Interesting thing about this brand, the brand says that their products are made from simple and pure botanical ingredients that unlock nature's ability to improve our well-being. <laughs> well, if they think exposing people to disease-causing bacteria is improving well-being, we have different meanings for that term. Ouch. All right. Uh, number two, there's three of these. So right. number two, um, our good friends, <laughs> I say that in quotes, Arbonne International. Oh, no. We're going to get more hate mail, but all right, go ahead. <laughs> well, well, this one's particularly egregious, I think. Okay. They got contacted by the FDA due to bacterial contamination of their black and brown liquid eyeliner. Oh, that's not good. Nice going, Arbonne. I mean, <laughs> I mean an eye product? Yeah, You're, that's ah. dangerous. I, I wonder if anybody got blinded right. or pink eye yeah, or no, something. I mean, it's not Jeez. funny, yeah. No, not at all. So, uh, and finally, we have Applicare Castile soap towelettes. Uh, these were recalled due to bacterial contamination. Mm. Now, I can understand, like towelettes, I think are a little more difficult to preserve. Mm. Uh, but don't sell it if you can't well. preserve them. Jeez. So, my advice is, uh, if you're thinking about buying anything from Oracasa 
Arbonne International or the Applicure uh, <laughs> brands, you might just uh, think about bacterial think, contamination. Think twice about that. Again, public service announcements. There's no charge. <laughs> There's no charge for any of this. Now, these things are published right up there on the FDA website, so right. uh, none of this is made up. Okay, fair enough. Uh, speaking of charging for stuff, uh, this next story, this isn't really a beauty science story. I've got to be transparent about this, but it's really more of a, a desperate plea to, for people to support us. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I saw this news story, maybe you saw this, but it was about a college student who held up a sign in a football game that said, Mom, send me beer money. Did you hear this okay. story? I did not hear okay. this story. So the guy holds up the sign on some televised you know, college football game. In a couple of days, 3,000 people had Venmoed him money. I guess Venmo was another one of those online cash sure. exchange. I don't know what it is. But anyway, even, even the company itself, Venmo, sent him $50. <laughs> so you know, it dawned on me, we never just say to people, please send us money. Now, we have a Patreon page. Right? We do have a Patreon page. And, yeah. you know, if you guys would like to send us a couple of bucks just to show your support, I'm pretty sure that's legal, I think. Is that right? Well, Patreon? Certainly Patreon is legal, legal, yes. Okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes uh, on how to do that. But, you know, if nothing else, somebody just try this just to see if it works for us. You would just send us a dollar. I don't know what the minimum <laughs> is. Just something, please. Man, you're starting to sound like public radio. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but right. that's great. Yeah, we, we're, we're experimenting with different ways to monetize the website. And so unless you want it, the, the, web, the, the show laced with commercial after commercial, right. you just go to Patreon and help and, us out. And if it helps you uh, to warm up to the idea, think of it as paying for Perry's medical bills. <laughs> Stop. Every time I laugh, it's a stabbing pain. All right. Well, with that, uh, let's move on to this week's cosmetic questions. Hi, Randy. My husband insists that all name brand products are stronger and therefore better than store brands. You've taught us that there's no difference as long as the ingredients are the same, listed in the same order, and if noted, the percent is also the same. He feels strongest about Listerine, though, and his dentist agrees with him. But that's $5 versus $2. Um, for the store brand, and I'm not ready to give in. Does it also matter in areas other than cosmetics? Thanks for your help. Well, thank you, Victoria, and, and thanks to your husband for generating an interesting question. But first, let me... I, I, love, oh, I yeah. love that the beauty brains is causing this uh, discussions between uh, marital, married people. Marital strife? <laughs> you, you're proud that we're causing marital strife? Uh, but seriously, I, I want to clarify something before we answer the question. So... When discussing store brands, I, I don't think we ever said, you know, there's no difference if the ingredients yeah. are the same. Um, you know, comparing ingredient lists is a great way to see if a store brand is kind of in the ballpark compared to a more right. expensive um, name brand. But unless you see the percentages listed, you don't really know for sure if the concentration of ingredients is the same. And, you know, there can be other factors like manufacturing techniques that can result in products being different. So it's not 100% black and white. 
Yeah, or even like the source of the raw material. You can have exactly the same raw material, but if one company makes it, another one does. Well, it, now be, 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 be careful of that because you're pandering to the crowd that says salon products are better because they're using a better grade of SLS. There is no better grade of SLS than salon products. So I, I'm, I, I wasn't I wasn't saying it's better. It's just different. Well, you know. but you're still giving credence to the <laughs> fact that. So I. I'm going to call you out on that one, Perry. I disagree with you. I, I rarely disagree with you, but you were wrong about that last comment. No, no. We can get into the pedantic <laughs> chemical reactions and the residuals left over. But... The uh, pedantic? You're talking about baby foot again? <laughs> that was last episode. All right, sorry. All right. Anyway, please continue. Sure. Well, fortunately, she picked a great example because Listerine does list the percentage of the active ingredients, so we can do a more precise comparison of Listerine to a store brand. Is that why they call it Listerine, because they list the active ingredients? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I think that's uh, it's actually Listerine. It was named after Dr. Joseph Lister, who pioneered the use of disinfectants in hospitals. <laughs> it's, it's a good thing they uh, chose to name it after his last name and not his first name, because Josephine is kind of a dumb name for a mouthwash. <laughs> <laughs> well, unless you like that name. Well, I'm not. Please. Josephine is fine for a person. Mouthwash, not so much. Yeah. Well, Listerine was invented in 1879 by two scientists, Joseph Lawrence and Jordan Lambert. Lambert became one of the founders of the Warner Lambert Company that marketed Listerine until 2006 when it was bought out by Johnson & Johnson. Boy, Johnson & Johnson is doing a lot of uh, movement in this beauty industry. How oh, so? Because we were... I, well, they bought, they bought that... Uh, uh, they, they bought a... a a, a beauty organic uh, brand recently. No, that was the that's SCJ. No, no, uh, J and J bought one too. Oh, did they? Okay, no, I didn't know yeah, that. So, right. Okay, yeah, okay. Lots of stuff. Um, well, before before we get to the chemistry of Listerine, here's a couple of fun facts about the brand, according to Wikipedia, at least. Uh, sure. All right. For a little while in 1927, the company marketed. Listerine cigarettes. <laughs> Freshen your breath while you're killing your lungs. I would love to, to have a picture of that. That's hilarious. Uh, then from the 1930s into the 1950s, they advertised that Listerine could be rubbed on your scalp to prevent, quote, infectious dandruff. <laughs> wow. Okay. And until the mid-70s, Listerine was marketed as a preventative and remedy for colds and sore throats. But then the uh, Federal Trade Commission determined Listerine doesn't do that <laughs> at, all, at all, and they ordered them to stop making those claims. <laughs> but you know what Listerine does do, and that's uh, give you fresh breath. And it does that by uh, using four essential oils that give the product its antiseptic properties. And those are, the, those are still the same four oils that they used back in 1879 or whatever, and those are still listed on the bottle today. Yeah, let's go through those. There's uh, eucalyptol, which is derived from the eucalyptus tree. Mm -hmm. There's thymol, which uh, is, was developed from the ajuan herb. Huh? There's methyl salicylate, which is identical to methyl salicylate in natural wintergreen. And then menthol, which is identical to menthol found in natural corn mint. This is all, by the way, of their website. And you know, by the way, it's interesting that two of the ingredients they talk about being naturally derived, and the other two are basically identical to the natural ingredients. So you know they're using, based on that wording, you know they're using right. synthetic sources, which is fine. Right. But just you, read it carefully and you'll see that. You know what I find interesting? Two of those ingredients are the active ingredients in Ben Gay. So, <laughs> so, so you could theoretically use Listerine on your sore muscles. <laughs> or brush your teeth with Ben Gay. 
<laughs> Yuck. Yeah. All right. Well, in addition, Listerine contains about 26% ethanol, which is a solvent for essential oils, and also give it, gives it a more powerful mouthfeel. Mm -hmm. The rest of the ingredients are essential control agents to maintain the pH, give it color and flavor, and et cetera. Yeah. All right, so, so that's Listerine. That's the expensive brand name. Now let's look at a popular store brand to see how it compares. Um, I don't know why I always pick Walgreens, I guess because there's one about two blocks from my house, but, <laughs> but here's the, the Walgreens. Today's show brought to you by Walgreens. Wait, I thought it was brought to you by Listerine. <laughs> Incidentally, that, that was sarcasm. It wasn't brought to you by either of those. <laughs> we are not a shill for either of those companies. But anyway. But we're willing to learn. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll sell our soul if the price is right. Okay, so here's, uh, let's talk about the Walgreens version of Listerine because they do list the percentage of the active ingredients. So we can make a direct comparison of each one. So right. first of I all. Got, I, got, I got my bottle right here. <laughs> so, so, so I'll read the, the, the expensive store brand, you read Walgreens. All right, so here we gotcha. go. For the eucalyptol, Listerine contains 0.092%. Well, the Walgreens contains 0.092%. Okay, so same amount of the same ingredient. All right. Same amount. Thymol, Listerine contains 0.064%. The Walgreens brand contains 0.064%. All right. Methyl salicylate, Listerine, 0.06. Walgreens, 0.06. And finally for menthol, Listerine is 0.042. Uh-oh. Walgreens <laughs> uh -oh. has 0.04%. One. Oh, no wonder. <laughs> so other than that difference of one one thousandth of a percent, less menthol, the active ingredients are identical. So no wonder the dentist thinks it works better. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the affiliate program that the dentist is in. <laughs> oh, ouch. Uh, we should point out there's also a slight difference in alcohol content. Listerine uses about 26% alcohol. The Walgreens brand is about 22%. But... The ethanol is not an active ingredient, so I, I really can't see that being an issue. So it, it appears there's no reason to assume these two products would function differently. Now, if Victoria's husband's dentist says otherwise, I would love to see his or her rationale for that, but I, I don't believe it. Right. I mean, it's possible that Listerine has done side-by-side -side testing that shows their product outperforms the equivalent store brands. So if that's the yeah. case, you know, we'd happily change our minds. But lacking that kind of proof... We have to say that there really is no functional difference. Now, there might be like a flavor Absolutely. difference, right? Yep. So, so that's that's to say that there's not no difference, but as far as how it works yeah. or functionally, it's not based on these ingredients. Again, but all it would take for us to change our minds is the data. I would completely take back everything we just said if there was data to the contrary. But right, and we don't we don't, don't see that. Well, there is now. There's an interesting statement on their website that's relevant to this discussion. So here's the quote. I'll read this exactly as it's written on the website. No other branded mouthwash brings power to your mouth like this botanically derived four ingredient formula. Now, at first glance, that, that sounds like a superiority claim, right? They're, I mean, they're saying sure. no other product works like Listerine, right? So they couldn't say that if it's not true. We must be wrong then, right? Well. It's partially true. They say, you know, no other branded mouthwash. Now, I couldn't find any other brand name that uses the same cocktail of active ingredients. Only the store brand knockoffs use it. So those are 
by definition, they're unbranded. They're just the store brand. Right. That's very clever, clever weasel wording, it, as it's we call it. brilliant her. weasel wording. Right. Bravo to them. So anyway, yeah. what's the bottom line here for Victoria? Well, the bottom line here, it's, it's tough to tell if a store brand is identical to a name brand unless they list the ingredient percentages. But in the case of Listerine, it's pretty clear that the two versions are pretty much indistinguishable as terms of performance. So my recommendation, or the beauty brand's recommendation, <laughs> would be, you know, just buy the store brand and then pour it in a Listerine <laughs> bottle. Your husband won't notice a difference, right? Nice. <laughs> Uh, incidentally, uh, it might be interesting for people to know that uh, we use the term store brand to refer to like a brand that you get at a Walgreens or a CVS or something. Um, but that's also called, uh, what, private label? Private label, it's called uh, drugstore dupes. I mean, there's a number yeah. of different terms for it, but yeah. Exactly. It's, it's the so house the, brand. You know? The house brand, yeah. yeah. Very good. All right, Perry, what's our next question? Here we get a question from Camille. Uh, she says, there is a chrome effect nail video swarming the internet, but I read some pigments that provide this mirror effect are made of aluminum and are dangerous if inhaled, either in application or when filed off. Do we order this powder or save our lungs and dollars? <laughs> well, based on what we could find, uh, Camille is correct, aluminum is the, uh, the magic ingredient that's giving the, the chrome or mirror look in this nail polish, it, it actually looks pretty cool. Now, this isn't entirely new. Um, the same look has been offered in the past in the form of stick-on films, press-on nails, or even some liquid polishes. Uh, Sally Hansen's Color Foil, for example, uses aluminum powder for this effect. Right, and that's perfectly fine because aluminum powder is approved by the FDA as a colorant. Specifically, the FDA says that aluminum powder may be safely used in coloring externally applied cosmetics, including cosmetics intended for use in the area of the eye, in amounts consistent with good manufacturing practice. But the FDA regulations are designed with finished products in mind. The safety profile here could be different because you're, you're mixing a powder into a nail polish and that powder can become airborne. Uh, or, uh, to Camille's point, you could be filing down nails after they're dry, which could also generate airborne particulate. Now, that's a potential problem in this case because it is known that excessive inhalation of aluminum dust can cause scarring of the lungs. I think that's almost as painful as what you're experiencing right now with your broken rib. That <laughs> could be. So, you know, Camille's concern certainly seems valid. It's especially problematic for the nail technicians who might be exposed to larger amounts of aluminum dust throughout for the day. Sure, yeah. I would think that if you could be exposed to significant amounts of the dust from this pigment, you know, either by mixing the pigment into a base or by filing nails covered with polish containing the pigment, yeah. I think wearing a mask would be a wise safety precaution. Mm -hmm. And then once the application is complete, you know, there really shouldn't be any additional That's risk. probably fine. But something to watch out for if you're a do-it-yourselfer, I would think. All right, Perry, let's take a quick uh, break and do a couple of iTunes reviews. Nothing controversial this week. Relax. Oh, I saw okay. the concern on your face. It's okay. Uh, I'll read one. The first one is from Christina from Moldova. Do you even know? Do you know where Moldova is? I had to look this up. Um, Africa? It's not. No. It's on the Black Sea just north of Romania. Oh, that's kind of near Africa. Eh, sort of. Uh, uh, anyway, okay. Christina says, my new favorite beauty website, the podcast is very educational and hilarious. I particularly like when they insert bits of vintage advertising, which we used to do a lot. We, we, we did, yeah. We kind of got away from that. But thank you, Christina. 
a lot of people don't know, you know, one of Randy's uh, hobbies is kind of collecting old vintage uh, cosmetic ads. Yeah, I do enjoy that. Yeah, I'm a, a sad, lonely person. <laughs> so if you have any... Oh, send them in. <laughs> direct it, love direct it. it. And if you can find a picture of Listerine cigarettes, I'll pay top dollar for that. <laughs> and even more if you're smoking it. <laughs> All right, Britt222 says... I love this podcast with so much pseudoscience and so many grandiose claims in skincare and beauty. It is nice to have a reliable source that I can trust. Very nice. Uh, Canadian Angela says, you know, you know, our Canadian audience used to be exotic, but we have people from Moldova now. So we, <laughs> yeah. Canadian seems kind of bland at this point. I don't know. Oh, don't just kidding. Tell, uh, Angela, I'm kidding. Uh, she At says, least they have a government they can be uh, proud of. <laughs> sorry. This, don't it's get political. political. Don't uh, go there. Sorry. Uh, Angela says, I no longer being mind, uh, mind being stuck in traffic uh, since finding the beauty brains. I've learned so much listening to Randy and Perry's method of informing consumers. Uh, and by the way, you should really buy their book. So thank oh, you for that nice. plug. Well, That's right. Put, that that book is uh, it's okay to have lead in your lipstick and answers to other beauty questions you're dying to learn about. You can get that right <laughs> on our website. <laughs> All right, Perry, we got uh, time for one more quick question. Uh, you want to take this? Sure. Pazaglia asks. I stumbled on an article about how benzoic acid turns into carcinogenic benzene in the presence of vitamin C. Now, I'm guilty of having access to enough information at my disposal to freak me out without <laughs> any of the knowledge to draw useful conclusions. So, should I be worried about pairing my Italian Retin-A cream with a vitamin C serum? Would these two products create a carcinogenic cocktail on my face? <laughs> well, let, let's start by explaining a little bit about this benzene controversy. So, benzene, which is a, a, a six-carbon ring molecule... Uh, that has been proven to be carcinogenic. And the benzene can come from benzoates, which are used as preservatives in a bunch of different products. Right. Specifically, the benzene forms from decarboxylation of the preservative benzoic acid in the presence of ascorbic acid, or vitamin C, mm -hmm. and metal ions like iron and copper that act as a catalyst, under, uh, especially under heat and light. Right. Now... The FDA does set limits on how much benzene is allowed in drinking water and other beverages. And they looked into this specifically, um, you know, because again, this, this thing came from the soft drink industry where they right, began right. Detect, detecting benzene uh, because benzoates are used as preservatives in those products as well. Uh, they looked at, the FDA looked into it and found it, that most of the soft drinks are well below the limit uh, 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 that's considered to be safe, which is five parts per billion of benzene. Again, remember, the dose makes the poison, you know, how much of it's yeah. there. Uh, but they did find a couple of soft drinks that had higher levels. The soft drink industry has responded by essentially removing benzoates to a large extent, although there are still products that do use them. Right. So... I mean, I, that's probably enough background on the soft drink side. This is not the beverage brains podcast. Uh, <laughs> but wh yet. what does all this mean for vitamin C creams? Well, it doesn't seem like this is a problem in skin products. And this is for two reasons. First, benzene is a much greater health concern if you're ingesting it, yeah. which was the issue in the case of benzene in soft drinks. Yeah, if it's not an issue for the topical skin lotion. Much, much less of an issue. Uh, and then secondly, she mentioned that uh, there, a couple of the products she mentioned uh, also contain a chelating agent, which is EDTA. 
Now, that EDTA chelates, which means it grabs onto metal ions. So to have right. this reaction occur, you have to have free metal ions to help catalyze that reaction. So if you're basically trapping the metal ions with this EDTA, it's even less likely that you'll have benzene formed. So it just doesn't seem like there's much concern. Yeah, I would expect that your chances of getting cancer from using a vitamin C cream that converts a benzoate preservative to benzene are way lower than your chances of getting cancer from smoking or drinking or eating grilled meat. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, if, if that's the greatest danger in your life that you have to worry about, you're, you're probably pretty safe. It's more likely that you'll fall down and break a rib while you're running down the street. <laughs> I can't believe there's that plastic thing right there in the middle of the street. But, uh. It's the city, man. The streets are filthy. Come on. You know, it is, it is interesting, you know, how uh, people are moving away from parabens and formaldehyde donor preservatives. One of the things that they're moving to is sodium benzoate or <laughs> <Oops>. benzoic acid. <laughs> so we'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> well, just so long as it's not in a vitamin C cream. Yeah. All right. Perry, we're at the end of another show. Are we going to cap off with a, an audible plug for this week? Uh, we could. Uh, there's a book that I just uh, heard about. Um, but I haven't downloaded it mm -hmm. yet, um, and it's it's called uh, uh, "Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office" or something. Oh God, this has got something insensitivity that... written all over it. No, I'm fascinated to read it. Okay, uh, read it. So I'm I'm looking forward to reading that. It's 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 on my Audible wish list, <laughs> and you can get your own Audible wish list by uh, trying out Audible.com. Go to audibletrial.com/beautybrains and sign up for a free month. You can get uh, "Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner <laughs> Office" or um, or our own book, uh, "The Beauty Isle Insider." Sure, that's still available. Uh, that is still available. It's not. It's not read by either you or I. No, it's not. But it's. But it's out there. Uh, so go to audibletrial.com/slash/thebeautybrains and uh, sign up for a month. You can sign up for a month for free. You get a free e uh, free audio book, and uh, you can help support the show. And remember, we're the Beauty Brains, uh, reviewing books that we haven't even read yet. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I read our own. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. All right, Perry, we are done for today. So right. uh, thanks, everybody, Good for listening. And, and, thanks, uh, everybody, for questions. If you have yes, questions, please send us your audio to, questions. Uh, record them on the phone and just email it to thebeautybrains at gmail.com. And uh, maybe you'll hear your voice on our next show. And until then, remember, be brainy about your beauty. Thanks, everybody. You're rockin' with the best Don't worry if I write rhymes I write checks